uh, super excited to be here. Hey, let's do this. Uh, say this with me. Why I got you standing? I want you with everything you've got. We're going to do the proclamation with you standing. Uh, we do this at every service just to get you involved. So with as loud as you can, say this with me. God has a purpose for me. By his word, he will equip me to grow. I will trust his word. I will respond to his word. He will make me strong. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, oh man, if you are a, a first-time visitor or a guest, I am honored that you're here. My name's Josh. Uh, my, along with my wife, we have the privilege of pastoring this uh, amazing, amazing group of people called Authentic Church. And uh, a lot of times when you pull in, I've had a lot of people ask me over the last couple of weeks, hey, why does your sign say at 201? At 201. It doesn't really say at 201. It's actually AC is our logo. It just worked out. It looks like an at sign. 201. And here's the thing. We want you to understand that this building is not the church. You're the church. Say it. I'm the church. That's right. So you are the church. And that's why we like emphasize that the fact that we're gathering here as the church. This building does not is not holy. You are holy. I got a whole message on that. I better stop right now before I get into it. So, uh, hey, well, let's do this. Before we get into the message, let's look, at, look back at the camera. Let's tell all those that are online because we are now Facebook live streaming. All you on Facebook, all you on our online app. And all those over at the jail campus, hey, you guys over at the jail campus, special hello. Love you guys. So glad that we're with you this morning. Come on, church. Welcome them in. Man, I, I tell you what, this series I, I'm, I got me all, I, I'm energized, I'm pumped, I'm ready. So last week we started this series uh, uh, on the book of Joshua. So Strong Courage Over Fear is, is, our, is the name of the series. But this, this is all going through the book of Joshua. We're like walking through it. Now, we're, we're going to hit the first end of it real strong. And then we're going to jump and, and fly through some pieces of it. But, uh, man, a lot of times the reason I play that, Joshua, at the battle of Jericho. Because we all know that song. And that's kind of our limitation on who Joshua was. Actually, did, you, like, did anybody recognize the voice of the guy singing that? That was me. Um, nobody? Uh, no, it wasn't. Actually, Hugh Laurie the, from, uh, from House. Yeah, yeah. He, that, that mean doctor, he's the guy that was singing that. So uh, he got a gospel album. Go ahead and go get it. Um, uh, but yeah, that was uh, the, Joshua about the Battle of Jericho. It's one of the things that we, we, we understand about Joshua, but it's kind of where we, we're limited. We're just Jericho, and then we don't understand the, the pretext or the context or the follow-up text. We, we, we just, that Joshua fought it. The walls came tumbling down, and, and we're limited there. So last week, we jumped into the pretext of where the Israelites were and how they're coming out of uh, slavery into the wilderness and now crossing into the promised land. And so they're moving into that place. And the reason why they got stuck there, they were disappointed by their past. They were uh, getting uh, discouraged by the future giants that they were going to have to conquer. They were, uh, many of them had discarded their dreams. In fact, those over the age of 20 ended up dying in the wilderness. And now we have Caleb and Joshua and they're walking in the promised land. You can watch that message. It's online. Uh, or you can get, get on our app. Uh, by the way, if, if you are, if you're, if you're tech savvy, meaning if you're under the age of uh, 30, that we have an app. You can go to the app 
those of you that are over the age of, of 30 or 35, 40, whatever it is, we have the paper notes for you. But if you are, you can go to Sunday. <laughs> those of you like, you know, and you can go down to notes. You can go right there. And then the sermon notes are right there. Right, You fill in a blank just like they are on your paper. Uh, you can also fill in an online connect uh, uh, form on there as well. You still get your, your Starbucks coffee gift card in the mail. Amen. Come on. How nice are we? How nice are we? Man, I tell you what. But we, uh, so we, uh, so we talked about that. So get on the app, watch that, uh, message. But, uh, I want to jump in. So we got, really, we got through 11 verses last week. Uh, we're flying through. So let's jump into chapter, uh, one. Verse 12 is where we're picking up today. Chapter, uh, chapter one, verse 12. It says, Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh. He told them, remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God has given you a place of rest. He has given you this land. Your wives, children, and livestock may remain here in the land Moses has assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the, uh, the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest as, they have, as he has given you rest. And until they, too, possess the land the Lord your God is giving them, only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, the servant, the Lord, has assigned you. Now, here, here's the, uh, let me, let me help you out because this actually is connecting back to, uh, when Moses was still living. So they get, uh, the Israelites come out of the wilderness and they're sitting on the east side of the, of the Jordan River and they're about to cross into the promised land. They're there for about two years, uh, before they actually cross into the, cross the, uh, the Jordan River and head into Jericho. And while they're there, these two, tri- two and a half tribes are like, hey, this, this land is beautiful. This land has everything we need to survive. It ha- we have large flocks. Why don't we just stay here? So they went to Moses and they kind of struck a deal. Hey, we'll stay on this side and we'll, uh, we'll take this land, uh, and p- possess this land and you, uh, can, th- that'll give you more land on the other side of the Jordan to give to the other tribes. And so Moses says, that's fine. But if you're going to do that, you have to promise that you're going to go with us when we go to, t- and take the, the, their land that we are supposed to possess. And they said, okay. And so in fact, they, they answered Joshua. This isn't in your notes, but it says they, they answered Joshua. We'll do whatever you command us. We'll go wherever you uh, want us to go. We'll do whatever you want us to do. We'll obey anything you said, just as we obeyed Moses. And then they, they say, anyone who rebels against your orders and doesn't obey your words or, and everything you command will be put to death. <laughs> Come on. Capital punishment at its strong. Jake, you ain't going to listen. Like how many would you like to like... We, we threatened with time out. <laughs> they were like, you don't listen, you're dead. Can we bring that back? Anyway, um, I, um, I'm sorry, I might get on a little message here. I, I, I'm going to stop myself before I get on about, about parents being parents. But anyways, anyways, anyways. anyways. Um, <laughs> Jesus, help me. Help me. This is, uh, uh, that's almost a side message. I'm going to come back, bring it. Uh, we'll bring that up later. But it sa- he says, uh, anybody that doesn't listen, they're going to die. And so he says, they, they say to Joshua, so be strong, be courageous, uh, be strong and courageous. I, I love this because Jesus or God had just uh, met with, um, with Joshua and gave him his pep talk. We talked about that last week. Now 
The people are going, we're with you. Be strong. Be courageous. Let's do this. And, and here's, it's almost a, a side message because I, I want to jump into something a little bit further down the line on this. But I want you to get this. Put this in your notes. You see here from the, uh, from, from the perspective of God's economy, God's way of working in community that save people, serve people. Save people, serve people. So once you, once they had had their land, they, they received their promise. They weren't supposed to just be settled with somebody, with them getting their promise. They were supposed to help other people receive their promise. Mm-hmm. So here, here's where, here's what you need to know. When you were saved and you got your ticket stamp, this is kind of like a, a, a myth that we've brought into Christianity. All I got to do is say my prayer, get baptized and, and, uh, you know, do the things that, that I'm supposed to do as long as I'm good. We're good, <laughs> but that's not the way that God ever designed it. He designed it that once you are saved, you walk into your promise. Now you have to fulfill your purpose and you step into helping others come along and fulfill their purpose. Now, this is what's beautiful, mm, beautiful about our dream team. This is because they get to do this every single week. They get to have this opportunity where they are saved. Now they're like, yes, I'm saved. Now I get to serve. This past week, I went down to uh, to Tampa, Florida for uh, for a church conference. I sacrificed that for you. I went down to Florida for you guys. It's, sorry, that's how much I love you guys, man. I went to I went to Florida and went to a church conference. Uh, it was a it was a great conference, and uh, they uh, was at Bayside Community Church uh, down there. It's one it's an Ark Church, by the way. Ark churches. We are, we're an Ark Church. For those of you that not, aren't familiar with that, we're an Ark Church. Ark Church. I think one seventy one was our number. Uh, this past January, end of February, we, uh, ARC, we, we, you are part of ARC, launched our thousandth church. Uh-huh. Come, come on, think about that. Yeah, you better, yeah. You gotta think about that. We, we, we were church 171 six years ago. And now we're over a thousand churches. And that's because of what you do. Every time you give and you invest into authentic church, we send a percentage of that down to ARC and they start a church. And then we just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And we're going to do it. It's mm-hmm. so a thousand churches. And then, so we're down there. I'm, I'm, uh, and they had these dream team members that literally I was talking to this one guy had taken his vacation to serve at the conference so that pastors could come in and be encouraged and equipped to do that. And I asked him, I said, hey, what made you get involved in on the on the on the dream team to this point and he shared with me his story he said i, I came in uh we moved from uh he moved from a, a northern state and they moved to uh to tampa and uh they were kind of like his wife was wanting to get involved in church and he was like hey i just moved from snow and now i'm and where there's beaches i don't want to spend my sunday at church i want to go to the beach and uh, so he's like, this is what I want to do. And so he, they fought and he's like, I put my foot down. I said, no, we're not going to, we're not going to church on Sunday. We are going to the beach. And so the next Sunday they were heading to church. Uh, uh, and <laughs> so they, uh, uh, they, they're heading to church and they get there and he, uh, uh, as they're pulling in, they're bickering because he's like, this is stupid. This is a waste of time. He's giving her a hard time. And uh, as they pull in, he said, I saw a guy with a bright yellow shirt on waving at me and he said something in that moment clicked i don't know what it was but in that moment the wall of my heart lowered and as i walked into that building i experienced the presence of god like i'd never experienced before 
I had a moment where I it came, to, it came to a point where I said, I'm, I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. He joined the dream team that day. He said, I'm doing this. I'm taking the steps I need to take. And because of that, he's serving at a pastor's conference, he's, uh, taking a vacation because he saw the value in a moment. Now, how many of you can go, I can stand there and go. Yeah. How many of you saw our awesome parking team out there just giving you a good old wave? Like, like you're like, I, I know how to park. They're not there to help you park. There's lines for that, and some of you missed those. But anyways, uh, <laughs> but, but we, you, <laughs> sorry. I didn't go check this time, but next time. No, <laughs> they're there to, to create an environment, and that's all. sometimes all it takes is for one of us to do one small thing. You may not be realizing the value that you're doing. And that's not just on Sunday morning. I'm saying let's, let's do this serve one. Once you're saved, you serve. And not just on Sunday morning. I'm talking about taking it to your workplace. Like teachers. Teachers, you need to do this. You need to go into your classroom. You need to be five minutes early. You need to walk into your classroom. You need to pray over those desks. Lord, Lord, bless the little Johnny. Lord, I rebuke the little demon in that boy. Jesus, help him. And Lord, redeem him. Let him grow in you. Let him know you. Let him experience you. Let him grow and the purpose of his life be revealed. And one day, it's that simple. It's, it's, hey, those of you that are, that are maybe, maybe a hairdresser and you're, you're cutting the hair. You don't have to be like, Lord Jesus, touch them. Let them be filled with your Holy Spirit. And they're going to be thinking you're crazy. Okay. Don't be crazy. That gives us a bad name. Okay. Don't give but just be like, just be praying over them. You don't, you don't have to be weird about it. You got, you're in a service business, serve them. You, you make coffee for somebody and you, you, and you write, you write their name on the side of the thing. Like how hard is Josh? I, I got uh, the other day I had, like, it was like Jaharnam. I'm like, Josh, that's it, Josh. Just write the name on it and be praying over him. Just, you don't even have to say my name right. Pray over me. Just, hey, Jaharnam, there you go. Pray over <laughs> Jesus' name. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you no, know, take it everywhere. I love, I love that our kids' ministry, one of our best places in this church is our kids. Our kids' ministry loves on those kids. And here's what they get to do. Uh, they get to go in and they get to love on, on, on your child and, and pray over them, even from the time they're in nursery. They don't even understand what is happening. But you, you're, those p- people in that room there are praying over your child, praying that they will know God and to re- have a relationship with him. Some of you, th- th- this is, I didn't say this in the first service, but there's some of you, especially there's some men in here right now that need to step up and say, you know what, I'm going to be, some of those kids don't have a, a, a great male influence in their lives. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to create an atmosphere where they know that it's okay to be a man and to follow Jesus Christ and to serve. I should have got a better amen because that's good preaching. Okay. Seriously, there's some of you, you need to step into your place. There, we got, we got, kid, we got connect groups. Some of you, we've got, we got connect group leadership training going on right now. You need to be in, involved if, and get in a connect group or lead a connect group. It is very simple to lead a connect group. Let, I mean, so let's, sir, we are a church. That our purpose, and I love this, our, our purpose out there on the wall says, number one, follow Jesus Christ. That's what consumes us. That's what keeps us motivated. That's what, like when at 8 a.m. we have a prayer team that comes in here and they pray over, over you and over what you're going to experience today. And literally there's names on that cross there because at 8 a.m. we take names and we say, hey, we're praying over this person. And we're praying that they will know God and they will experience him or they will get reconnected. They've gotten dis- disconnected and I want to see them. I want their marriage to be healed. I want their relationships to be good. I want them to be fulfilled. This is what we do as a church is connect people to Jesus Christ. That's our number one mission. Let's fulfill that. Now, 
we do have uh, some, uh, like, we'll, we'll risk it all. We'll give it up. We'll, we'll, we'll do crazy things. And as you can see, like, 11 o'clock's full. 11 o'clock is full. We're, we're, and, the, and the reason why the 11 o'clock's full is because last week we made a decision. We, we said, hey, in January, we're like, hey, we're going to add five p.m. services, 5 and 7 p.m. services. We're going to see what happens. We asked people. We did research. We called other churches like, hey, what, what's, what are you doing? Nobody had done an evening service. And we found out why. Uh, <laughs> They, they didn't work that well. Now, later on, we may revisit them. But right now, we said, hey, for the sake of our dream team, uh, because a, a healthy dream team is a growing dream team. And uh, you can't have something that's growing that's not healthy. And so we said, hey, we're going we're gonna to re- hit the reset button. We're going to come back 9, 11, and we're going to move forward. So tonight, we got no 5 p.m., but we got 7 p.m. student takeover. Uh, you, you might want to come back for that. I'm not joking. I was here for their worship practice. We've got a whole, like a, almost the entire worship team is students. And they're, they're going to be worship. They're going to be out in the parking lot greeting you. They're going to be the, they're going to be that. They're going to be, because here's what we believe. We, they are not the church of the future. They are the church of today. So we, 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 we I come back tonight. It's going to be awesome. All right. So that, that's serve, save people, serve people. Uh, you, you step into that, step into that. Now, now here, here's, so we get into chapter two. So that's chapter one, chapter two. It says that Joshua, then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Achaia Grove. And he instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan river, especially around Jericho. Now, now this is important. This, this is the same place they were, uh, uh several years earlier and they didn't go into the promised land. They've been to this spot before they've been here. But there, there's some, there's some scared, I got scared and backed out. Now, <laughs> how many, I, I love going on vacation. I hate packing for a vacation. Who's with me? Okay. Here's how I, like the conference uh, the, uh, that I went to, it was, I had to fly out. Uh, I had to be at the airport at uh, 530 in the morning. And uh, um, so actually I had to be earlier than that. It was like 5 a.m. I had to be there. My little brother, not my little, he's not little anymore, but my little brother took me to the airport and uh, it drove me up there and we left at the house at 3.30 a.m. Do you know what time I packed my bag to go to that conference? It's 12.30 a.m. I got a couple hours of sleep. <laughs> but, uh, so we, uh, I, I hate packing. And it's one of those things, I, I want to show you pictures. It was about three years, a little over three years ago. No, it was three years ago, like this past week. Uh, we went on our first missions trip to Nicaragua, one of our first. Well, it was the, the second, the first real trip. We had to take an exploratory trip, but we had, we were like, we're going down. This is going to be awesome. And uh, what we did beforehand at around Christmas time is we did Operation Shoebox, and we we're going to send it down to, to Nicaragua. And it turned out it was going to cost us thousands of dollars to get it down to them. Uh, and so we're like, oh, we can, we can do 40 bucks. We can just do extra baggage. This is perfect. And so we uh, got a bunch of people together. We packed it all together. And let me show you how we packed our bags to go to Nicaragua. <laughs> Does anybody see why there might have been issues <laughs> for, <laughs> for us to get through security? Okay, like we're like walking through. We're can't act in the airport. And people are like, security? <laughs> uh, and then we're like, well, I couldn't figure out when we got to Nicaragua, why the guy like pulled out his pen knife and he was like, uh, <laughs> that's two weeks in a row. I did a crack joke. That's terrible. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, I'm telling you, if that, if that offended you, I'm sorry. Um, there are, there are other churches, great churches in our community. 
Uh, but <laughs> so we get, we had that. But it, it was funny because we're like, you know, typical. We get to the airport and we got to we have our bags and you got to be under the weight. And so uh, one of the bags is uh, overweight. One of our trustees, uh, Joe Head, is uh, is getting into his stuff. He's he's overweight, and so he's going through his luggage trying to see what he can move around. And no joke, this this he pulls out this. That's that's an iron. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, man, what are you doing? We're going to a third world country. Like, <laughs> like you're pulling out an iron. Like, like, what are you, like seriously? <laughs> I, I, I hounded him. I took a picture of him. I was laughing at him. We were joking. And then, uh, and then we get to Nicaragua and I get asked to preach. You know who used that iron? Mm-hmm. Be humble. Be humble or you will be made humble. Uh, that... <laughs> So yeah, but it's funny, like when you're packing your bags, and this is what's happened in Israel. They're getting their stuff ready. Like, how do we, what do we need to go in? So Joshua sends two spies in. He says, okay, um, get, get two spies. Let's go in. Let's go see what we need to do specifically around Jericho because that's our first stop. And so he sends them in there. Now, now here's what you have to understand about, about Jericho is it wasn't a normal city for that time. Now, for us, we kind of have this picture of what cities look like and walls and because we think of like medieval times and castles and all that. That wasn't the case. This is Jericho to this to this day is the oldest inhabited city that they have found. It is also the oldest one with a defense mechanism around it. So when they got there, it wasn't like, oh, hey, there's a wall around a city. No, they were used to seeing cities, but never had seen a wall. And so now they're coming across, they know they've heard the stories of the giants that were in the land, they've heard the stories of all the fruit and honey and all that stuff, but they've never heard the story about a wall being around a city. And so they get there, and let me show you a picture of what the modern day archaeology, this is what it looks like today. So you can see all the, uh, all the archaeological digging they've been doing around it. Here's what is crazy. In the 1930s, there's an archaeologist that went in, he dug, he found stuff, and he said, it looks like that the Bible story is right. Then his colleague came back in the 1950s and did some more digging and put a, uh, published a book and said that digging around Jericho proves that the Bible does, is wrong. And there was a big controversy about this until the 1990s when some new archaeologists from, the, uh, from Rome and uh, a group from uh, the Palestinian and Israel all c- c- combined and went back in there. And it turns out that what the Bible describes looks like that's actually what happened. In fact, they found that it wasn't just one wall. It was actually two walls. Let me show you a figure of what they are th- believing that Jericho looked like at this time. So here's a little dude. There's Joshua looking up. We got this. And so we, we're going to take it over. And he's looking at a retaining wall. They found this retaining wall. It's, it's there. But then on top of the retaining wall is a, this large, huge wall that is there. And it's this first wall. In between it would have been some more uh, a space and then uh, a hill that climbed up. And right here they've been finding uh, where people have lived. And this is going to be important in a second. And then at the top was another wall. So you can imagine... A group of people, two spies walking in going, they've never seen a walled city before. And here's this massively built defense mechanism that they are walking into. And so you can imagine all of the doubt and everything that they've ever experienced and heard about comes flooding back. Because that's what happens when we, when we face situations. Fear and doubt begins to happen. They walk into the city and the, the studies show that there's about 600 people that live there. And at the time that the Israelites attacked 
everybody around the, the surrounding vill- uh, villages and anybody living out in the farmland would have been in the city. So they estimate at this time there's between thirty-five to 4,000 people in this little place. And they, they go in there. And you can imagine as they're walking into the city and they're trying to blend in and they're wa- looking at all this. They walk through these massive gates and they're, they're seeing all this. All of the fear and doubt that they heard about comes rushing back. And here, here's what happens. Fear and doubt do a couple things to us. Number one, fear and doubt consumes your mind. If you allow it to, your fear and your doubt will consume you. You'll, that's all you'll think about. If, when you're fearful and doubtful about your finances, what does it do? It consumes your mind. Everything about you, you're thinking about it. You're focused on it. You're thinking about how do I make more money? How do I pay the bills? How do I, everything revolves around that. When you're, when you're fearful and doubtful about what your children are doing, what do you do? You're consumed by that, that one thing. It consumes you. Fear and doubt consumes you. And fear and doubt does another thing. It ca- causes you, you to have clouded judgment. You make decisions that you normally wouldn't make. Fear and doubt will cause you to do some really silly stuff. You ever watch those? I love the videos uh, um, on uh, on Facebook or whatever, and you're watching. Hey, how many are guilty of that? You like you're, you're scrolling. I, I just need to check my notifications, see what's going on. And next thing I know, I'm like 20 minutes into watching people fail. Like I, <laughs> that's I know I have a dark side of my humor. I love when people mess up, and it's really funny. But when they do those fear ones where they jump and they scare people. Ah! And they, 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 and they, what do they do? Like some of the silliest stuff people do when they get scared, they jump, they freak, they kick, they do like all kinds of, but because that's what fear and doubt will cause you to do things that you normally wouldn't do financially. You'll do that. You'll think, Oh no, what am I going to do? So you'll go buy a lottery ticket. Ah, I'm like, if I win the lottery, everything would be fine and you'll lose. So what do you do? You buy 10 more. I just got to up my odds. Right. <laughs> it just keep the, it keeps going. And then fear and doubt, another thing it does is it controls your life. So the decisions you make are based upon fear and doubt, and it consumes you, and then it ends up controlling your life. And this is the situation that these two spies are walking into. You can imagine that it would be very easy for them to be controlled by fear and doubt. But something crazy happens. They walk in and, and verse uh, uh, chapter 1, the second or chapter 2, where we at, uh, says that, they walked in, uh, the two men set out to came to the house of the prostitute named Rahab. Now, <laughs> come on. How many of you are like, what? They came to the house of Rahab and they stayed there that, that night. Like, okay. But some, someone told the king of Jericho that uh, some Israelites had come here. And, and so I don't have time to read the whole thing. Let me tell you the story quickly. So, um, so they see the Israelites are coming. They hear about two spies being in the city. They're at Rahab's. So the king of Jericho goes to uh, sends people to Rahab, and they say, "Hey, we want the, the two spies that are here." And she goes, "Oh well, actually, um, they're not here anymore. Uh, they left right before the gate was closed. So if you get out there, you'll probably catch up with them." And so they they believe her. They head out. They they try to catch up with them. And I love how the uh, the Bible puts it like in parentheses. Actually. Actually, she straight lied to them. <laughs> she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies and they couldn't find them. And then flip your paper over, chapter verse 8. Is this say ver- chapter 1 on your notes? Because that's wrong. It's chapter 2. If it says 1, it's supposed to be 2. It says, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof to talk with them. And this is what she says. I know that the Lord has given you this land. She told them, we are all afraid of you. 
We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And 40 years ago. So 40 years ago. She's bringing it back up. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River. That happened about three years earlier to this moment. Whose people who uh, you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has, has the courage to fight after hearing such things. Check this out. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. <laughs> and then she makes a deal with him. She says, okay guys, listen. I realize that your God is going to take care of you and you guys are coming in here and you're going to destroy this city. But will you make a deal because I'm helping you? Will you let me live? Let me and my family live. And they, they say, yes, with our own lives, we guarantee that you will live. And jumping down a few verses. And then since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. And she told them, escape to the hill country. Hide there for three days from the men who are searching for you. Then when they have returned, you can go on your way. And then they said this to us. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all of your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on the people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. So they leave. They tell her the exact instructions that she needs to do. They leave. They finally get back to Joshua. And I love this. Look what they tell Joshua. The Lord has given us the whole land. They hadn't seen the whole land. They had just seen Jericho. They said, the Lord has given us the whole land. And they quote Rahab, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Now, here's three things I want you to grab from from this portion of, of, of Joshua. The first one is that God is already there. God is already there. They go in there full of fear and doubt, wondering how in the world they're going to win this battle. They're looking at this giant wall. They're going, we don't understand. It's too big. It's too great. How will we defeat this? And they walk in and they find out God's already been there. That's what happened with us in this church. It was about six years ago. That we're doing this like, hey, what are we going to do? That's, uh, we, we, we've been praying. We've been fasting. God's been confirming. We're going to, hey, we're, we're going to step out. And, and less than six years ago, or uh, less than seven years ago, Authentic Church didn't exist. Today, we're packing out our new building. God's doing great things. We're making an impact not only in Tuscaloosa County, but across the nation, across the world. We're involved in things that were beyond our imagination because some people stepped out and found out God was already there. They found out. God, we found out God was already in front of us. We were just doing what he called us to do. So many times when you step out, you're, you're like, you know, there's no way I can do that. I don't have the ability to do that. I don't, I don't have the, the, I'm not equipped. I don't have the education. I don't have, I don't have anything right. But when you step out, you're going to find out God was already there. Rahab said to them, we have heard about your God. See, we do it so many times, we're fearful and we let doubt keep us back because we're not doing it in his power, we're doing it in our power. But when you step out in him 
and you go where he's calling you to go, you'll find out he's already there. He's already there. Second thing I want you to grab here is that he uses the unqualified. (laughs) A prostitute. A prostitute. But catch this. It wasn't a used to be a prostitute, then God used her. She is actively a prostitute. But in her sin, she steps into her purpose and lives out a thing that that will blow your mind. She is one of five women that are in in the lineage of Jesus. A prostitute steps out, not once she got it all figured out. Not once she said, oh, I'll, I'll start doing it the right way and, and things will work out and God will bless my steps. No, God wants to use you right where you are. If God's going to use a prostitute, how much do you think he's going to use you in your current situation? How much do you think he's going to use you and where, where you are presently at in your mess, in your situation? Right now, he's not asking you to fix it. He's saying, just go, just do, just be, just right where you are and then let God redeem you. Then let God redeem you. <laughs> is, it, is it quiet in here because you're hearing it? Because some of you, you just need to step out. Stop, stop giving the excuses. And start making moves. He uses her. She's mentioned in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. She's mentioned in James chapter 2 where he uses her as an example of risk and faith. And the third thing is fear. Is transformed into faith. Fear is transformed into faith. Write it down. Put your pen down. Look here. See, fear is the dark side of faith. It is the negative belief in the future. Faith is a positive belief in the future. See, what happens is fear is the negative self-prophecy, self-fulfilling of the future. Just a few chapters earlier, they went in and they go, we look like grasshoppers. We look like grasshoppers. They said, we look like grasshoppers. They prophetically spoke what they looked like and then they acted like it. They said, we look like grasshoppers, so they started acting like grasshoppers. The other side of, this, of the story, though, is they go in and they hear that the God's already in front of them and that the battle's already won. They've already given up. And they start acting like they've already won. They start acting like they've been that. Here's what you need to do. You need to stop saying, I'm just going to mess up again. You gotta, the people that are in your life that say, you, you can't do this, you're, you're just going to mess up again. It's got too much hold on you. You, you messed up that past relationship. What makes you think you're going to do good in this relationship? You got you to get those, those what, what people are speaking into you, the negative spot, speak, speaking, even the words that you're allowing yourself to give, and you need to change that, and they start believing what it is. It's because pa- your past will be your future until you have the confidence and the courage to step into a new one. See, it's not that the struggle... Is going to get easier. Hashtag struggle is real. Struggle doesn't change. You just become stronger. You just become stronger. 
See, he, he, you need to eliminate the negative voices. That, I think that's why Moses, or, uh, Joshua said, we're not sending 12, we're sending two. And he picked them out specifically. And he said, you guys go. Because I don't want to hear any negative reports. And then he changes who we listen to. You've got to start listening to, to the Rahab that says, you guys already won this. You already got the bit. You can need to change your whining into worship. Do you, under, you need to understand. The reason why John 8, 44 says that Satan is the, ma- the father of all lies is because he has to lie to you because he knows the truth. And if you start living out the truth and live out your purpose, you will destroy him. And he knows it because not only does he know your future, he knows his future. See, we, we got to understand, not only do we, we need to stop listening to lies and start listening to what God has for us, what he's speaking to us. First Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a chosen generation. Say it, chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Say it, you are a holy nation. You are his own special people. Some of you have been told you're special in a different way, but this is different. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, when we change our whining and our, our doubt and our fear into worship, when we begin to proclaim who he is and where he is already at, we are walking into what he has for us. This, this is so important. Ephesians 4.29 says, you need to let everything you say be good and helpful. We need to get around some people who are building us up. Let me be that person today. God has a desire for you to step into your promise. So you can live out your purpose. See, we, we get so scared of our purpose sometimes. But I t- I'm telling you, your purpose needs to be lived out today. See, there's be- this a beautiful parallel through all this. See, when Moses went to Egypt, he, the final plague, he says, Hey, Israel, all you, all you guys that want to go with me, I want you to kill a lamb. Take the blood of a lamb and put it on the outside of the doorpost. Their first step into salvation was publicly declaring that they were part of the lamb. You go to Joshua. These two spies tell Rahab what you need to do is you need to leave a red cord outside your window. To declare that this is where the Passover is going to continue. Today, the Bible says that we accept the blood of Jesus Christ. To wash us pure so that the penalty of death will be washed, will be passed over us. See, today is the day we stand and, and we stand up and say, I, I need the blood of Jesus Christ in my life. I want to step into the promise because when you live in your promise, your purpose will begin to be revealed. Step into your promise. Live out your purpose. Will you stand with me? I want you to hear this. He's already there. He's using who you least expect. And he's going to convert your fear into faith. Lord Jesus, I pray over this church right now. Lord, I pray over every one of those listening, those online, those at the jail campus. Lord, right now, Lord, that you will allow them to stand up in their faith. Lord, that fear and doubt will no longer consume them. Lord, that they will be able to walk in who you've called them to be. That as they step forward, your purpose will be revealed in their lives. Lord, I pray right now for those who need to step into the promise of your salvation. So, Lord Jesus, you died for our sins. Your blood was shed to pay our debt. And today, we accept that price. Lord, we accept your gift of salvation. 
We want to walk in the promise that you have given to us today. Lord, those that are disconnected and that, that do not know you, that we repent and we turn to you. We give you our lives. We want to follow you. And Lord, now equip us, empower us with your Holy Spirit to follow after you. In Jesus' name.